This is Conversations with Commerce Trust Company, and we have Joe Williams on this segment. Joe is our Commerce Trust Company Director of Investment Strategy. Joe, the uh, coronavirus has reshaped the world in about six months. Uh, could you, if it's possible, briefly summarize the wild ride equities have had so far this year? Sure, Chris. Let's kind of start with the S&P 500 then, just to bring back the S&P in January, which seemed so long ago, and and early February was kind of in a trading range, not going any place, and then we started to move higher. And by February 19th, we hit a new all-time high. We were up 5.1% for the year. Everything was looking great. And then the coronavirus scare hit us, and the market started to decline. By March 23rd, the market fell 33.8% in less than 40 days. That's the shortest bear market, and a bear market's uh, defined as a decline of over 20% we've ever seen. Typically, a bear market uh, in the past that leads to recession, which we are currently in, takes a year to play out. So this was very short, very steep. After March 23rd, though, the market reversed. And we've had one of the strongest bull markets or rebounds off of a low we've ever seen as well. We are now up 41.2% off the lows. And with all this wild uh, decline and move higher, year to date, we've only lost 2.6%. So yes, indeed, it has uh, been a wild market. It's interesting, though, the market, when it declined that 34%, in February to March, it was discounting, trying to discount the world economy shutting down and what effect that would have on companies. And what's interesting is when we look at what the consensus earnings estimate was for the market at the beginning of the year to where it has fallen to today, earnings forecast now for 2020 are to decline 37% when we get finished with this year. So as the market's processed, what's happened? Actually, the price movement of the stock market did fit with the earnings decline that we have eventually seen in 2020. Joe, would you agree that the uh, liquidity poured into the economy by the U.S. government helped uh, the equity markets? It has certainly been true that the amount of money, the trillions that the Treasury and the Federal Reserve has poured in this market very quickly, has certainly stabilized uh, the economy. And here in the last month, we're actually now starting to see the market recover. The liquidity has been unmatched in any other recession. And that liquidity has stabilized most Americans' income level. And that's been very important as far as when we look at consumer confidence. Now, consumer confidence It's made up of five components, and the first two are present-day situations when we ask representative groups, uh, one, how do you view the economy today versus a month ago, and how do you view the employment situation versus a month ago, better or worse or the same. It's not surprising, April saw one of the biggest drops ever. We went from 170 on this index all the way down to 70, so a drop of 100 points. That's unprecedented and then just a small decline in May. That's not surprising. But then the next three questions look at the what's going to happen six months from now, and that's kind of the consumer expectation. And this is what's different this time around. The first question is, how do you view the economy six months from now? 
that's actually taken a big jump. People are very optimistic that things are going to be better off six months from now. And the job situation will be much better off six months from now. The last question is about income expectations that did decline. But when we look at overall, those three questions really did not decline very much at all. And that's very uncharacteristic of, say, what happened in 2008, 2009, when consumer confidence plunged, both the expectations went coincidentally down. Same thing happened in 2002, 1991, 1980, 1974. So the reason it's very important is as consumer expectations maintained a high level, people did not panic because they didn't think this was going to be long lasting. They didn't panic on their investments. They didn't feel like they they had to sell and things were just totally going to fall apart. In fact, they all felt or most felt things were going to get much better. And uh, the decline was so quick, they really didn't have any time to sell. So as things started showing a little improvement, as fatality started to level off and decline, as we started opening up the economy, money that was very plentiful out there started to flow back into the stock market. And that's had a very important effect of driving stocks considerably higher. Joe, would you say forward investors have maybe written off most of 2020 and started looking ahead to 2021? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that investors have written off 2020. And, you know, I hear some concern of, well, what happens when second quarters come out, uh, quarter earnings come out, and they're going to be fairly dismal. You know, I really don't. I think everybody knows that. Everybody has already baked into the cake that earnings are going to be awful this year. As I said, down 34, 35%. So that's known. And we do expect a good rebound back up to levels that we were expecting at the beginning of this year for the market in 2021. So the risk as we proceed through this year, if those expectations for earnings growth in 2021 start to decline, either from another round of uh, infections across the United States, slowing down the economy, that's probably going to have the main effect on it. But until we see that, and that's probably not going to be uh, until the fall, that uh, stocks probably will continue to move higher. Joe, probably one uh, sub-story that has taken place or development is that growth stocks have really exceeded the performance of value stocks, at least so far in the pandemic. Do you expect this to uh, continue, or are value stocks really where the value is? Well, that's the question we're always trying to, to answer. Our, our answer at the beginning of the year was growth looked more attractive. And growth is very heavily dominated by uh, technology stocks, healthcare stocks, and consumer discretionary stocks uh, versus value that are much, uh, their energy, financials, and industrials, much more economically sensitive. We felt growth was better positioned going into a fairly good economy originally, what we thought at the beginning of the year. But then as the pandemic hit, uh, the economy shut down it really turned to the growth stocks, technology stocks, is what was going to keep this economy functioning with the majority of people working at home. The internet did not collapse as many feared just with the overuse and everybody trying to work via the internet. Technology held up and technology stocks have been rewarded. They were in the right place at the beginning of the year. They were the right place during the downturn. 
and they're all hitting new highs. You know, technology sector alone this year is up 12%, again, with the market being down 2 or 3%. So that's been the leadership. Healthcare stocks have done well, and consumer discretionary stocks have done well, led by Amazon there. So just this year, large cap growth stocks are up 9.9%. Large cap value stocks are down 153 a 25% difference. Now, that is certainly much greater than we would have thought, and you would say eventually value is going to have to close that gap somewhat, uh, but we still believe the long-term trends of technology leadership is going to continue. We will see a rebound in energy and industrials and financials, but it's still going to be a tough road for all three of those sectors as this economy starts to recover. Joe, uh, on the horizon, of course, we have a presidential election coming up, and those things are very cyclical. I know you've, uh, you're a student of history all along. Can you tell us what the uh, presidential cycle might look like heading into this one in November? Well, we do always pay attention to the presidential cycle in uh, most normal years, and it, and it goes something like this. Uh, if we go back and average all the presidential cycles and election years going back to 1900, typically the market starts off in a trading range moving within 4 to 5% either up or down as, as we sort through the candidates. And into August, we're typically flat. Once we know the candidates, then market starts to move higher. Uh, we have a fairly strong market in August into September. And then we start becoming concerned about what really could happen if either one of the candidates actually becomes elected. The market trends down into the election. And then the market moves higher after the, the election, regardless of who wins. The election year is the second best year of the election cycle, followed by the best, which is the third year, which was last year. And the stocks were certainly very strong during that time. That's a typical cycle. Of course, it's been overwhelmed with the coronavirus. So I really think the election cycle is not really going to start to come into play until we get much closer than normal, say maybe October, and then I think it will start to affect the market. But until then, I think it's all news on the virus and the election presidential cycle is kind of off in the background. Joe, let's wrap up with a, a global question. With the world economy reopening, uh, are, are you still recommending overweighting domestic to international stocks? Yes, we are. And uh, so far, Said the U.S. market's down two or three percent, and the international is represented by EFI, Europe, Australia, and the Far East is down around ten percent. Emerging markets are down a little bit over nine percent. So international markets continue to lag, and it goes back to what we've been talking about the last six months to a year. It's just the structural difference between the S&P 500 and that of the EFI, uh, the large cap international stock. And all is around the lack of technology representation in the international indexes. At the beginning of the year, the S&P had 28% of the market capitalization was represented by technology. In the international markets, only 8% is represented by technology. As long as technology leads most all sectors, then domestic stocks are just going to do better than international just because of that structural difference. And that's certainly been the case this year. When we look at how the international indexes are biased, they're biased much more toward 
financial stocks and industrial stocks, two of the worst performing sectors, the worst being energy, but financials and industrials are the two worst performing sectors in the world so far this year. So they're just kind of behind the eight ball and tell technology gives up this leadership that it certainly had for the last 10 to 12 years. Uh, it's hard to predict international stocks starting to outperform on a longer-term basis, domestic stocks. Joe, thank you very much. That was Joe Williams, Commerce Trust Company Investment Director of a Strategy. Joe, thank you very much. Commerce Trust Company is a division of Commerce Bank. Important material disclosures regarding the content of this call follow. Information provided is effective as of today, June the 24th, 2020 and is presented for the purpose of general education, information or illustration only, are not a recommendation on any future investment or market behavior, and is not to be considered the opinion of Commerce Trust Company or Commerce Bank. The risk of loss from investing in securities and other investments can be substantial. You should consider whether investments entered into directly by you or on a discretionary managed basis through Commerce Trust Company or elsewhere are appropriate for you in light of your investment objectives, financial circumstances, tax status, your tolerance to risk, and your investment experience. In considering whether to trade or invest, you should inform yourself and be aware of the risks. Generally, non-depository investments offered in connection with Commerce Bank and its affiliates are not guaranteed, are not FDIC insured, and as noted earlier, may lose value. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and the opinions and other information in the commentary provided, as of this date, are subject to change. The information provided is presented for the purpose of general education. Information or illustration only is not a recommendation on any future investment or market behavior and is not to be considered the opinion of Commerce Trust Company or Commerce Bank. Providing this information, which may be of value to you or others, shall not detract from an investor's responsibilities to take all such steps and make all such inquiries as may be necessary to ensure full understanding and familiarity with any potential future investment. Neither Commerce nor any of its officers, employees, or agents have made any recommendation or given any advice as to the terms and profitability of any investment or market activity which may be referenced here. Accordingly, you understand that you are and shall be at all times be fully responsible for any investment transaction you choose to enter into, and that you shall not have relied only on any of the preceding or following information from Commerce as a basis for an, an investment decision. Please also note that Commerce does not offer tax, legal, or specific estate planning advice, and while we may provide information or express general opinions from time to time, such information or opinions are not offered as professional tax or legal advice. If you are in doubt about the risks involved in trading or investment arrangements, or have not understood any aspect of this risk disclosure statement, you should seek independent professional advice. Markets, economic forecast, and specific investments can change from time to time based on a variety of individual, interrelated, or complex factors. This disclosure statement cannot present all the risk and other significant aspects of investments, economies, or markets in which you may elect to transact from time to time. You should therefore carefully study investment arrangements in advance of making decisions about investing.